Hi, this is Glenn Dinning from Blue Collar. You're listening to The Real Reading Podcast. Welcome to episode 8 of the Real Reading Podcast. We're recording this on Tuesday the 6th of March and our guest this week is Glenn Dinning from Blue Collar Street Food. Uh, if you want to get involved in the show, you can follow and write to us on Twitter at Real Reading Pod. You can look us up on Facebook by searching Real Reading Podcast. We're on Instagram. Uh, and if you're able, please leave us a review and a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts because that really helps uh, more and more people hear our podcast. And we go to great lengths to ensure that lots of people listen to our podcast, don't we? We do. Yeah, I've been telling everyone. Good. Has everybody been taking you up on it, Jenny? Uh, I, I don't think so. <laughs> I think, think that like, if I wanted to listen to you, I'd call you up on the phone. Know you, I don't need to yeah. download something onto my phone and have you in my pocket. I had a really, really strange incident last, uh, not yesterday, in fact, on Monday. And I was walking to the bus and I was walking along and I was listening to our podcast because you know, just like to add an, add an extra listen to the numbers. <laughs> and I was laughing and I just thought, if someone right now came up to me and said, What are you laughing at? What's so funny? I don't literally have to go uh, me my own voice and anybody who listens to this podcast knows that I'm not the funny one on this podcast so it's uh, which one of us is <laughs> I don't want to I, I wouldn't like to say um, it's, it's uh, so yeah um, as I say uh, if you can give us a me or you <laughs> no how flattering we should probably have a vote on Twitter or something um, I'm not sure anyone would partake but... <laughs> Uh, as well as the interview with Glenn, uh, we have all the usual features, including what we've liked this week, uh, and Fort Explains It All, which this week is about. Hugh, what's it about? It's about the eternal problem that everybody hates of fly tipping. Ah, uh, fly tipping. Ah, okay, right, okay. Um, now, in terms of, uh, I've got a bit of a leading thing on this. Uh, in terms of pre-podcast discussion, I had the other, the other week when I was driving around Reading, uh, one of the most bleakest sights in Reading is the IDR, is it not? Come it's, on. It's, it's not the prettiest part of the town, no, is it's it? it's frankly dull, uninspiring, and when it rains, even worse. And especially when you're stuck in traffic. Mm. It's pretty bad, although I would do slightly object to the term of the use of the term most bleakest. Most bleakest, most, okay. Perhaps most bleak. Could I say most bleak? I'll say most bleak. Um, I want to start a campaign to paint the IDR. I don't care what colour, don't care what it looks <laughs> Which like. Which part of it do you mean? The bit that goes down under the two bridges, you know, by the Broad Street map. So like the road or the walls? The walls. Paint so the walls. Like underneath the railway Yeah, the bridge. underpass. Um, no, the, the, so the, you come round, you go past the Broad Street Mall, and you've got, on the right you've got the Broad Street Mall car park, on the left you've got Chatham Place. The bit that goes down underneath and you've got those oh, high walls. like the slip road? You, yeah, those bits. The with walls the, of the slip yeah, road? because they're okay. dull and they're horrible and I think we should paint them. Well, I've been I've been walking along the IDR recently to to get home, and I think um, the the tiled walls underneath the railway bridge just before you get to the fire station could also do with a real scrub. So maybe we could maybe we could paint under there as well. That, that would could be really great. Brighten up the place. I mean, I don't know who's going to do this, but I think we, we could organise a team of volunteers. I'd happily give up my weekend to scrub the the walls of the IDR. <laughs> I, honestly, the, the number of times I've walked past that, I feel like I have to keep my, yeah. my arms and my shoulders in because I feel like if I touch it, I might catch something that would kill me. <laughs> like, it is so disgusting. It's a bit like sort of putting your hand in the urinal. It feels a little bit like sometimes <laughs> when you walk through there. I, I wouldn't know. No? But... Okay. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, you know, that's something that we could, could really brighten up the place. And then just, ah, oh, it's just so dull when you go under there. And especially when you're stuck in traffic. If you looked around and it was just yellow or something, I don't know. Do you think that would make everyone happier? I do. Make, I think it would cheer it everybody would, up. It would make Fred and Jeffers happier. Well, there are lots of kind of community projects that uh, collect kind of unwanted ends of paint. Yeah. like DIY projects yep. that people have done I mean I've got about 10 half filled <laughs> paint cans in my shed yeah true as long as you don't mind varying shades of grey actually that's what the IDR oh, really yeah. is <laughs> he wants to paint the IDR grey <laughs> just a slightly different shade of grey in fact lots of different maybe 50 yeah. shades of grey oh. oh dear it's a whole different sort of podcast I think sorry it was the, the term rather than the, <laughs> the, the theme of those those, those books and subsequently film, subsequent films. Well, basically, if anybody has any ideas of how we could brighten up, particularly some of those main routes through town, 
I would love to hear about. It would be really nice if it looked like the outside of a launch pad, wouldn't it? Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. That would be fantastic. Well, went along to launch pad a couple of weeks ago and spoke to, spoke to Annabelle about it. It's just so colourful. It's nice. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think so it's I th- a of I think, a, I think a bit of this stems from, as you, as you two certainly know, I grew up in Bracknell. And Bracknell, before, didn't have a lot going for it. What it did have was nicely painted underpasses. And I think that's where a lot of it stems from. There's a really nice woodland one. Yeah, I think they've probably painted over it by now. But there was definitely one um, leading into the town centre where there were definitely pictures and paintings of people that I knew. I'd be Aww. interested to know whether the painting things to the side of a very busy road in bright colours is, is an acceptable thing to do because it could be deemed as being something that would be distracting. Oh, let's be honest, nobody goes fast along the idea. No, no, you can't true. possibly no. go fast. That is true, unless it's 2am. <laughs> <laughs> I think possibly the other thing maybe that's going to stop this is maybe we might have to close the IDR to actually paint it. That would worry me. Uh, yes, health and safety, that's likely in the, in the health and safety... You know, I'm sure that the motorists of Reading wouldn't mind if we no. close all four lanes of the IDR for a few for for a, a nicer environment to paint it. <laughs> I, um, I, I admire your ambition, Tom, but I, I see this as a plan that's fraught with problems. Let's see what happens. Let yeah. us know. Would you mind if we close the IDR to give it a bit of a spruce up? And would you be willing to help out? Yes, very good questions, Jenny. Thank <laughs> you for rounding that off. Um, okay, before we get into the features, though, some feedback. Uh, we've had uh, a little bit of feedback uh, since last week's podcast, which was with Claire Slobodian from Explore Reading. She's been really good at tweeting about the podcast, which was great of her. Thanks, Claire. Thanks, Claire. Um, Hugh, do you want to thank Claire? I also, yeah, thank you, Claire. There we go. <laughs> so sincere. Yeah. <laughs> Don't trust that, man. Um, independent Reading, uh, that's a Twitter account and another uh, independent blog. Um, they said, this is the first ever podcast I've listened to. Thank you, Real Reading Pod and Explore RDG for pushing me to something new, to try something new. Um, no problem. Not all peer pressure is bad peer no, pressure. No, some peer pressure is definitely good. Um, I also wanted to uh, bring up some feedback we had from uh, Stir. Now, Stir is something that we're all familiar with. And if you aren't sure of what the initials mean, well, this is probably going to mean absolutely nothing to you. So STIR is a uh, website that highlights some of the more uh, unique and interesting things in Reading and, and uh, puts a little bit, of a little bit of a spin on it. And uh, the, the, whoever it is that runs STIR was a little bit aggrieved that we hadn't included them in a list of independent podcasts. So we're I just wanted to put sorry. that right. We are sorry. And also we're not hipsters. Only one of us has a beard and it's not Hugh or I. Yes, you could certainly <laughs> not, not describe me as a hipster no. whatsoever. I'm not even sure what a hipster we're is. Hipsters. Yeah, someone called us hipsters. Which oh dear. I, I mean, I like ale, but I think you that's about like as far ale. as it goes. I like. I'm. I'm. I'm the least. I'm so mainstream. It's not <laughs> funny. You were gawping over Craig David earlier. That's how I was mainstream you are. Gawping over Craig David. I feel like that might be seen as hipster now because Craig David is from the '90s. I think if you just like anything from the '90s, maybe you're described as a bit okay. hipster. But I, oh yeah, and I eat avocados fairly regularly. I think the most hipster thing I've done is play a Nintendo 64 in a pub, that's which quite, I think that's is quite, quite hipster. hipster. Oh, yeah, that is a, I, from what I know about hipsters, which isn't a lot. Oh my goodness, uh, that is a bit hipster. Are we hipsters? Because I inherited like a like a 30 year old SLR at the weekend as well, like a really nice old school camera. Oh. And uh, okay. I've been using that. And I think hipsters use those. I've not got a Polaroid though. No, I think, no, okay, I think you're probably okay. I don't know. Okay, maybe so we you have, have to, You have to dress slightly oddly and use things that are old and harder to use than modern technology. Yeah, that so sounds like my dad. <laughs> I don't think he's a hipster. I think he's just hasn't moved with the time. Not left the seventies. So anyway, we would like to apologise to Stir, uh, and we quite like Stir, don't we? We all go on it. It's good fun. It's, it's a bit of a giggle. It's a giggle. It's a bit we naughty. He's it. got a very very nice turn of phrase. Yes. Whoever runs it, and uh, he's. He's always out and about in Reading, spotting things, yes. which, uh, which uh, some of them you wish you could unsee. Yes, <laughs> this is true. So anyway, um, I think that's that's more than two minutes uh, on, yeah, on Star, That's all you get. That's all you get. But yes, keep it up. Keep up the the good work. I think that's the the phrase. Um, okay, on to what we've liked this week.
Jenny, what uh, what have you been interested in and enjoying this week? This week I have liked British Pie Week. I think I'm going to jump on the back of this one as well because we both uh, liked British Pie Week very yep, much. Quite frankly, um, we uh, spoke to the good people. At Sweeney and Todd. I think you need to prefix that with Reading Institution, Sweeney and Todd. It is a, a, an absolute Reading Institution. Thankfully, uh, I don't think they have anything to do with the, the Castle Street barbershop next door. Um, I don't know if you know the story of Sweeney and Todd. Very familiar with it. Yes, uh, so that's what that's about. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they're doing a load of kind of classic retro um, pie fillings this week to celebrate British Pie Week. Um and we both went there on Monday night, didn't we, yes. and, uh, and picked up a couple of pies to take home to our significant others. Uh, I went for beef, black pudding and pancetta oh. for one of them, which was, oh my goodness, absolutely fantastic. You cut it open, you could smell the smoky bacon like just wafting out of it. Oh, it was good. And we also had uh, the new venison, which had some veg in it. Uh, I think it was supposed to have courgette in it. I didn't detect any courgette, but it had quite a bit of celery in it, which... Was it was it was absolutely lovely. Really big, nice bits of meat, thick mm. gravy, delicious. I could live without courgette. Yeah, I was. I didn't miss the courgette. No. So I, I had. Uh, we got steak and Stilton and Yorkshire ham and Stilton, and you know, like when you buy a pie because it's got Stilton in it, and you think, okay, this would be great. It's got Stilton in it, and then you cook it, and it's incredibly disappointing because you can barely taste any of it. Well, you could smell the Stilton. It's just oh, just anyway. They're good, aren't they? Yeah. Because Sweeney, if you haven't been to Sweeney and Todd's, oh, go and get. I mean, where have you been if you haven't been there? Because they've been around in Reading for years and years and years and years and years. So I think my my parents courted there, Did which they? was some years ago. I'm 34 now, so you know it's quite so. some time. It's a proper institution, isn't it? And it's the sort of place that we all very much want to have in the town yeah. forever. Reading's got quite quite a few of those little quirky independent businesses, and we very much like them. They yeah. they brighten the place up. Mm. The business is for sale at the minute, isn't it? But they, 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 they very much want it to still run as a pie shop. So, uh, the the building is for sale, but I think it will only be sold if the buyer wants to continue to run it as a pie shop. I've been talking to my my parents love Sweeney and Todd's, and my dad loves cooking. Sorry, I keep going on about my parents. <laughs> Just, I don't know what it is. Do you? Um, my entire family got mentioned last week. Yeah. So. <laughs> but I think it would be the perfect thing for my for my dad to do. I think he should uh, should should buy it up and uh, go and run it. But he has he hasn't taken up the offer just yet. Maybe certainly, I'll, he'd certainly have good access to some meat, wouldn't he? So uh... yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awkward. Um, my my in my in laws are butchers, <laughs> so that's that's where that's Sounds coming perfect. from. Um, so yeah, maybe they could uh, they could they could team up. Um, but oh, the steak and oyster is fantastic. Have you had the steak and no, oyster? No, I, I haven't. Had that one in so it actually in because you can not either pick up pies and take them home and heat them up for dinner, or you can have them in the restaurant yeah. there. Um, but steak and oyster is brilliant. My favourite is the Christmas pie. Have you ever had the Christmas pie? I haven't had the Christmas pie. They're either. hard to get hold of. It's like a shiny panini sticker. They're, they're very rare. <laughs> um, you have to go in at the right time, especially if you want to take one home with you. What? Christmas. Well, but like at the right time of day, and they only oh, bake yeah. them like every other day, and they get snapped up so quickly. Oh. Like sometimes there's a waiting list for them. They've got turkey, they've got sausage, they've got bacon, uh, cranberries, and then Brussels sprouts and other veg with like this thick turkey gravy. Oh, it's like it is just Christmas dinner in a pie. It is amazing. <laughs> you wonder how they fit all that in there, really. Mm. There's a lot work. of filling yeah. in there as well, isn't there? They're yeah. very generous. They're not yes. like they're not. It's not expensive either, really. No. When you think, no, when you look at it, two two pies were, yeah. I think maybe seven seven eight. If, yeah, it's that. I, I, I didn't bring the receipt down with me, but yeah. Oh, it was very, very good. It's good, yeah. Pay that for a burger in a lot of places. Yeah, and <laughs> not a very good burger. Or a chicken wrap at the um, the food market. Well, yeah, but it's a good chicken. It's a good chicken wrap, but it's still seven pounds. Yes, this yeah. is true. This is true. Um, okay, uh, Hugh, you <laughs> you've got two. I've got two. I'm being very, very self indulgent by having two. Um, the first one, uh, as I don't know if anyone spotted this actually, but it snowed last week. Did, did anyone notice this? Sunny today. I forgot all about it. Yeah. yeah. But um, the reason I mentioned the snow again, even though we've all forgotten about it and it didn't really affect us at all, was that um, a numerous weather records were, were set uh, during the snow last week, including on Thursday, the coldest March day since records began. 
1901. It was cold. It was cold, very cold. Um, temperature was, the actual temperature was recorded was minus three, but the uh, the wind chill temperature was minus 12. Was that which 117 was... years of weather records swept away? Absolutely, yes. Crushed, if you like, <laughs> by by one day in, in uh, a Thursday in uh, 2018. Um, but the other interesting weather record provided us with our to our from our weather expert chums at the University of Reading was it was the sunniest February again I think since records began. <laughs> it was um, February was sunnier than. A summer month in 2016. Wasn't yes, it? yes. February this year was sunnier than June in 2016. Wow. So, if that Must goes to show, <laughs> yes, that goes to show that we've, we've well, there's there's very strange things happening with the weather these days. But um, as you can tell now, that it's you wouldn't have even known it snowed no. by looking out the window today. But no. uh, last, it's positively balmy. It's positively <laughs> balmy, like the weather. <laughs> And uh, what was your other thing? Uh, I'm going to talk briefly about Reading FC, um, oh. but not current Reading FC, which okay. is rather, rather depressing. It's old Reading FC of old. Uh, Dave Kitson, who many fans know as a flamehead hero of the past. Um, <laughs> we love Dave Kitson because he uh, he. D- when you aren't asked to ask Dave Kitson a question, he answers it. He gives you. He was the king of the soundbite. Not like oh, I think the boys did well today. Yeah, we're really pleased to get three points. Um, he's very, Who said that? That is your generic. I'm just fo- trying to remember football. when Reading got three points. Ah <laughs> uh, yes, yes. Uh, I believe at, at footballing giants Burton Albion. Um, no offence to any Burton Albion fans who might be listening. Big demographic for us. Burton, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Podcast hotspot. Um, anyway, he basically Dave Kitson uh, has said that he takes entirely the the blame for Reading getting relegated. Um, in 2008, he says it was his, his fault for li- for leaving. Essentially, um, <laughs> he, I mean, I don't think that's entirely. That's correct, blowing your own trumpet yeah. a bit, isn't it? It is a bit. He also says the actual reason, which fans know, is for, that for some reason, having finished seventh in the Premier League the season before, the club decided not to buy any players in the, in the following <laughs> summer. They bought, I think, three players, two of which were totally useless and uh, played five games between them for the for the sum of five million in total and then left again and um, and Reading were relegated because they didn't sign a right winger for the entire season they, they played <laughs> defenders strikers anyone bar a right winger um, so while well, Dave Kitson is fairly noble to say the reason he the reason we got relegated is because of his decision to leave I don't think it's right but he's such a he's such a character and um you know, given given the way football is now, to have people who are able to give strong views and be honest and speak interestingly and coherently, it was a very welcome surprise to hear him talking about this. Um, if you want to read more, it's all, all on Get Reading. Um, and fans will remember Kitson very fondly because he was also a very, very good player. Did he say, I read it and I said, did he, he left because he'd overstretched himself on a property deal and couldn't really afford to take a pay cut. Yes, that yeah, yeah. So um, from what I understand, yeah, he was he was getting footballers' wages for Reading, not not super super duper wages, but Reading players at the time would have got a fairly decent wage because they would have just been promoted. Um, but he seemed to um, he seemed to certainly spend a lot of that money on on like you say a property empire, and he says he says in the story that he. Couldn't pay his bills. He built, and um, he was totally overexposed uh, financially. So it just goes to show, mm. people who get—I've got no idea what Dave Kits would earn, but it would have been several thousand pounds a week—tend to spend it. Yeah. Um, so, so he then be very honest about overstretching and um, and getting involved in something that he perhaps shouldn't have done, and um, and. Subsequently, having to go go to places, other places, to, to search for the money, and he didn't really have a good, very good, very good time at Stoke. And I'm sure, knowing what he's like, he would have rather have stayed in Reading. Um, but the money was you needed more money, yeah. Unfortunately, and that's probably you know you talk about footballers not being loyal and being greedy and all that sort of stuff. But I'm sure that's a situation which does happen. They probably 
a lot of footballers probably get very badly advised by by people when they put spend lots of money on stupid things and then find themselves with very little even though they earn a lot yeah okay thanks you um okay uh now it's time for fault explains it all Fly tipping, Hugh. Yes, fly tipping. That um, blight on the countryside that everybody hates. Um, everyone hates seeing it and everyone hates the fact that public money has to be wasted clearing it up and more public money then has to be spent on employing people to deal with it and potentially taking people to court for something that should be something that doesn't really exist. Um it was talked about at the Reading Borough Council meeting on Wednesday last week. Um, there's, as as with a lot of councils, they they have seen a, a substantial increase in fly tipping from 2,214 incidents in 2015-16 to 3,066 in 2016-17, and so far um, in 2017, between April last year and December last year there were 2,119 incidents. So we're already getting towards the uh, the 2015-16 figure with um, however many, with, with two months gone. With, yeah, with, with the whole of this year so far to collate as well. So so the council's spending, you know, well over £100,000 a year on clearing up flight tipping. Um, but what, what Reading is doing, has done to try to combat this is employ employ people to to track down the people doing it. And um, there's now been 294 fines, fixed penalty notices, which, which are essentially fines, handed out in um, 2017-18 compared to 12 the year before. So they are certainly getting on top of um, catching people who are doing it. And I don't know what the, the fine, how much each fine is but they're looking to recoup some of the money they have to spend on this um at the meeting they cited one possible reason this this is a possible reason but it's the first time someone sort of talked about it in in public as far as i know in that there are now charges to dump certain types of waste at the small mead um dump and the Longshot lane dump in bracknell and the suggestion was that this perhaps uh leads to people not wanting to pay to get rid of their rubbish, which you know, you know, it's it's crime fly tipping. It's not so, you know if you if you go into a shop and just take something without paying for it, that's a crime too. If the fact that you're charged to get rid of waste should not be a reason for you to to think that dumping it in the woods is an acceptable alternative. It's it's something that everyone hates. It's a completely needless. Um, waste of money the councils don't have any money um you know in west Berkshire they don't have any money in reading they don't have any money and to to spend over a hundred thousand pounds a year clearing up dump rubbish because people don't want to pay whatever the fee is to dump it in the in the dump which is what it's there for and (laughs) taxpayers money again is spent to provide is is it's not an excuse at all and um it it's something we all, you know, if, if I've got a load of st- stuff I need to dump, um, I'm not being self-righteous. It's just something I do. I'll go to the dump yeah. in Newbury uh, and I'll, I'll pay if needs be to get rid of it. I, I would hope most people wouldn't even consider um, <clears throat> dumping it in the woods as an alternative. You don't alternative. just chuck it over your fence, do you? you just... Yeah, and it's, um, I think everyone in the, the, these, these departments, in, the, in all the councils, are very frustrated by this um, to have to waste precious precious money that could be used for something else much more valuable (laughs) potentially libraries (laughs) potentially libraries but what um, council finance is not something we want to dwell on but you can't you can't spend money it's different departments and it's it's different budgets so that's a lot something a lot of people don't understand about councils you can't just move money from one place to another to, to to cover for things but it's just it's just absolutely needless, and it's a lot of money, and it's and it's just a horrible blight on 
on the countryside and on wherever it gets dumped really it's, it's just not yeah. nice and it's it's just you know a real kind of it's really dismaying to think that that just someone thinks well I'm not paying to dump my rubbish and just dumps it and dumps yeah. it wherever I'm, I'm, I mean I'm, I'm guessing and, and you know I'm, I'm sort of I, I am guessing but I would imagine the people a lot of the people dumping a lot of this waste have probably taken money to actually they, they've made a charge to the customer to dump this waste you do hear about that don't you yeah. you hear about people going around and, and charging people yeah. to, to, to collect their rubbish yes. for them and then so they've charged a fee so then what they take yeah. the whole fee and then if then, anyone's traced back yeah but from the rubbish like it, it, it it's traced to back to the person who paid someone to take yeah. it away so I mean it's difficult because obviously not everybody's got a vehicle so you yeah. know, what, what are you supposed to do if you don't have a vehicle you could but then, if you can't if you can't take it to the dump, you also can't take it to some yeah. so some uh, random piece of rub, uh, woodland to dump it either. So obviously they're they're not to blame. But it's it's it is it's absolutely horrible. There was some really nasty fly tipping um, at the beginning of the year, wasn't there? In uh, Solemn Lane, Solemn Hill, Solemn Hill. Yeah. Um, and it was just mounds upon mounds of yeah. like old videotapes and. Oh God. Oh. Yeah. Just ridiculous. Stuff take them to a car boot sale if you yeah. if you don't want to pay yeah. the tip. Someone will buy them or take them to a charity shop. Or just put them in the bin. Yeah. <laughs> the council will take them away. You know, it's, it's uh, you know that's just household waste. Um, the the stuff you get charged for is DIY mm-hmm. rubble yeah. and stuff like that, isn't yeah. it? It's 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 trade waste. Um, so if someone's just cleared out, cleared out, had a clear out, and then dumped it in the woods because they can't be bothered to take it to dump or even put it in their own bin then, you know, there's almost more effort to drive it somewhere and dump it in the woods to, to put it in the bin. It doesn't make yeah. any sense. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and like you say, it's just it's just a waste of money. And probably if it continues, well, we all know that, unfortunately, the way council tax is going, it's just going up and up every year anyway. But if the council are losing money by having to pay to take away other people's rubbish, then you, it's it just punishing it, yeah. the people that live in the area. Yeah. It, yeah, it's ridiculous. And it's, you know, it's absolutely, you know, they've had to employ two people to, to in Reading to, to look after this this particular issue, which I'm sure they'd rather, you know, I'm, I'm sure these people are happy to have jobs, but in an ideal world, um, that, that they wouldn't have enforcement officers to deal with fly tipping. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, you know, it's just so counterproductive in terms of, in terms of, uh, what little money they have, like I say, to, uh, to to do all this, you know, and it's 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 not only the you know it's man hours, it's it's collecting, yeah. and then the people have to take it to the dump, so the people then the dump has to process it anyway. It's just it's just really sad. Hugh looks very very pained talking yes. about this. You can tell that it's really upset him. I think the other thing as well is we we've talked at length at times about how great the dump is going to small meat I know you can't go to small meat anymore <laughs> yes. but small meat isn't small meat great so much. Right? it's so weird <laughs> yeah. like I, I completely agree with you it's quite exciting to go to the dump but it's basically just like a big car park and it smells different and, and it smells so bad <laughs> Um, it's just something quite grown up about it, isn't yeah, there? Really, it's like, so, uh, like I'm going a... off to the different sections. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's a really good operation. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah. What, you know, Excuse me, mate. Where does this go? Isn't the worst job in the world when you've got like a, a well, perhaps a slight exaggeration? I am known for them, but <laughs> going with your box of empty bottles <laughs> and sticking them in the thing, but then oh. you'll get like little bits of yeah. beer and wine yeah. like over your wrists and like drizzling up your shirt sleeves. Oh, that's so gross. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but how satisfying is that smashing yeah. noise? Chucking that in, and well, yeah. you can legally smash or glass. Have you ever done it when you've got an old bit of furniture that you hate, and you take it to the dump and you oh, throw yeah. it, in and then you can see it just watch it blast into smithereens. Yeah. <laughs> take that uncomfortable chair. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm glad this has taken a yeah. more positive turn now. Anyway, don't fly tip. No, don't. I think that's don't. the message. Yeah. <laughs> I think as, as you, might, you might see money getting spent on things you might actually want. Yeah, like you potholes know. or not potholes. Of course, we've already <laughs> discussed how it doesn't it, work like that. It doesn't work like <laughs> that. But something that might may enhance where you live yes. instead of yes, blighted. Um, I believe that's as they say online. Rant over. Rant over. Um, so thanks you. Uh, really interesting stuff. Um, 
obviously fly tipping is is definitely a problem uh, and it's something that's out there and if you know if we could all just stop it that would be great really even if it's just i suppose throwing a bit of rubbish out your car window it all adds up eventually if everybody's doing that then um it's why my car's so full of rubbish because i don't throw anything away um, if you've got any feedback on that or you'd like to uh, talk to us about it or, or get involved, um, please do do so. Um, coming up now, we've got a pre-recorded interview with Glenn Dinning from Blue Collar Street Food. Uh, roll the tape. Hi, this is Glenn Dinning from Blue Collar. You're listening to The Real Reading Podcast. from Blue Collar Street Food. Hey Glenn, how are you? Yeah, really well. Thanks for having me. No problem, no problem. How, uh, how are things going? Yeah, really good. Um, so kind of the bulk of our main events happen in the summer. Um, so just kind of leading up to that and running the Wednesday market every week until then. The Wednesday market, talk me through it. What's, what, what brought you to set up a Wednesday market? Because, I mean, it, it's, it's something that, that's become very, very familiar to a lot of people who work in Reading Town Centre. Yeah, well, I mean, it was born of a frustration of going into London and seeing this brilliant street yeah. food scene. And um, I love places like Shoreditch and Brixton, and even the west of London's getting quite good for that now as well. And then you come back home, and we're only 20 minutes on the train, and we were kind of lacking that innovation and kind of those food options. So it came around, I talked to the council, and eventually, after a lot of negotiation and nagging, um, it started with a, a big food festival in Forbury Gardens. Yeah. Um, which How long ago was that? That was back in September 2016. Um, and off the back of that, it then went to, would you be interested in doing a Wednesday street food market? And the answer was, of course, yes. Um, and so it just kind of grew from there. But it was just trying to give our town a little bit of what they've got plenty of in London. That's That's great. I mean, so... So this is, is this something that was part of what you did before, or is it, is it sort of a brand new venture? Um, well, I mean, my story, it's a little bit cliche, but at school I was the one selling chocolate bars right. and pens and all of that <laughs> sort, of, sort of thing. Um, so then it kind of led to when I was 16, 17, like most people, then I started getting interested in music and comedy, and I started putting on events that way. Uh, so that's how I kind of got into the event world. Um, and then I took a little bit of a break from it and came back and it was just I've always been a, a real foodie and like I said I loved going into London and seeing this kind of thing and even like the ruined bars in Budapest and the big markets in Barcelona all of that I loved it so much and I just felt that we needed something like that um, and so the aim really when I started was to try and bring that kind of borough market feel yeah to Reading, which we're not quite there yet, but uh, what, what do you feel is missing from from it? Where, where do you feel? I mean, obviously, size is always going to be a problem there, but where do you feel that you need to kind of improve in that respect, or or, or not necessarily improve, but um, you know, grow? I think history has a big part of it, and you can't really change that. I think I went to I was actually at Borough Market on Saturday, and I kind of got there, and it was full of tourists. And yeah. even though it's kind of you're really penned in, it's still it's like putting on a comforting blanket you just get that nice warm buzz being there because you love the fact that it's been there for hundreds of years so I think that does play a part but also like you say size is important and just trying to make the food as different and unique as possible and that was kind of the big thing that when I started I I didn't want to just have you know gourmet burgers or something like that I wanted something new and different Um, and maybe things that people thought wouldn't perhaps work I wanted to try and give it a go and see if they could so just talking about the mix of vendors and stuff how uh, how do you decide who comes in um how many how many traders can you have well i think it's all about variation i mean you've got to be conscious of the fact that wednesday is probably a harder day to sell street food than a friday or a weekend yeah. um but for me it's about doing something which you can't find somewhere else so got a really great peruvian trader and it was one of those where i'd never even heard of peruvian food before 
and I went and tried his food and it was just brilliant and I fell in love with it. What is Peruvian food? Talk me through it. So it's quite meat based. Yeah. Um, he does things like ox heart and um, chicken and beef and he, the guy Harry who runs it is an obsessive. So he gets to the market every week before me. He gets there about <laughs> half past six in the morning. Yeah. Wow. And then he's still packing up at about nine o'clock in the evening. But he is he, he's very much inspired by Gordon Ramsay. He, he takes out his aggression on his, on his food, but he's a brilliant chef and he's just crazy passionate for it. Um, so it's people like Harry doing the Peruvian food and um, the Georgians who have kind of become yeah. cult heroes in Reading. Um, Georgian feast and they just they do flavours that you just perhaps haven't tried before and so that's what the market was was born of just kind of different ideas and different things that you couldn't get anywhere else so now we've got things like Greek souvlaki which I think has done really well we've got a new vegan trader called Vegivores who yeah. is brilliant um, as well as things like jerk chicken and cheese toasties and gourmet burgers so hopefully there's a good mix so do you, do you find you get lots of regular regular customers? Are there lots of the same people there every week? Yeah, I think so. I think with something like that, it's less unlike the big events where it's all about working really hard to promote it for that one-off one. I think hopefully it's just become part of people's routine on a Wednesday and the traders tend to have their regular customers and we get a few kind of floating voters that try different ones each week. So do you... Um you said you you said there's a guy normally there about half past six. What time do you guys get there? Well, so I normally get there about seven. Um, I think, like anything in life, there are some people that get there ridiculously early, um, and then people like like my Greek trader, he gets there about ten minutes before we're about to open, <laughs> just chucks his gazebo open and is constantly in a rush, <laughs> fulfilling that Greek stereotype. Um, so it, it does kind of vary, but we tend to get there quite early in the morning um, and then just get set up and everything. So um, it's a long day, but I think the thing is they're doing it. They're not doing it for the money. They're doing it because they love food or they yeah. love. They want to spread word about their culture or where they're from. So it, it, it's hard work, but it's good fun. So someone like me who goes down to the market, I, I tend to have found something that I like and that's what I have every time. I mean... How important is it to, to try some of the different things or, or is it okay to just go to the same one every time? No, of course it, of course it's okay. I think you can go to the same one every time and you're still, you're still helping a, a young independent business out. Um, you're helping a young young trader out. You're, you're having something which you might not be able to have the rest of the week. So I think that's, that's completely okay. <laughs> so, so I'm not going to judge you. <laughs> Thank you very much, Glenn. Um, so... You've got. You mentioned just at the very start. You've got some new markets coming uh, to town, and there's a few different things going on. And Jess, uh, who was on from Reading Museum, said there was going to be something in the Abbey. So just talk me through some of the events that are coming up. Yeah. So kind of following up on last year, where we did uh, six large events in Forbury Gardens called Festival. Yeah. Um, and they all ran for. It was roughly the first Thursday, Friday, Saturday of each month from uh, April till September. And so they'll be returning, albeit in a slightly different form. Uh, so in April, there'll be a cheese feast, which will be... We talked about this on our podcast, uh, just, just gone, a, a cheese festival, and I'm, I'm really, really, really excited about this one. Yeah, well, I mean, it'll be kind of 20 different um, cheese-based street food traders. So expect to see things like mac and cheese, gourmet yeah. cheeseburgers, gourmet cheese toasties, cheesecake that kind of thing, as well as things like cheese to take home and yeah. cheese boards. Uh, so that will kick off on 19th of April and run through to the 22nd of April. After that, we've got a, a three-week festival in Forbury Garden. So that will be shot on Mondays and Tuesdays, but will run from Friday 25th of May to Sunday 17th of June. Okay. And really, it's just about improving on last year. So there's going to be a two-tier scaffolding seating infrastructure in the Forbury. So you've got a view kind of all over the Forbury, um, up at a raised height. And there'll be around kind of 10 to 12 street food traders there, the kind of the very best of blue collar, really. And we'll have our bar, so it'll be a great place for PIMS in the summer and everything like that. Uh, And then the one you mentioned in uh, Abbey Ruins is Meat Feast, which will be a four-day-long meat festival. Okay. So if you kind of think of big events in London called Meatopia and things like that, it's very much inspired from that, where you've got big barbecues and okay. obscure game meats and 
everything like that. And also, I mean, I will say there will be plant-based options there if you're a vegan. <laughs> We're not going to leave you out, so there will be substitute things yeah. like tofu and things like that there as well. Okay, so I, I've not been to a big meat event in, in London. What's, what's something like that like? Um, it's all about size. Yeah. So there's huge barbecues in there. There's a lot of smoke. Yeah. Um, there's it's, It can vary kind of from steaks to all sorts of things so even I mean I've been to one before and tried ostrich there kangaroo things yeah. like that so that's kind of the aim really to to make it quite rustic in its appeal as well so and to kind of go with the Abbey Ruins because if you stand in the middle of it it's a really impressive space and it's kind of going back to that old school um kind of eating chicken drumstick yeah. mentality <laughs> and so that's what we thought we'd, we'd give it a go so can we do this in fancy dress of course you can. I think sort of sitting there dressed as a monk having a massive <laughs> chicken thigh or something sounds quite exciting. I think you should try and get that going. <laughs> it's very Game of Thrones. I <laughs> um, okay, so uh, Glenn, my final question. What is your favourite thing about Reading? It's a difficult one. I think it's probably got to be the independent scene. I think various things to it. I mean, even like Fanny's Antiques, you yeah. go in there and you see... I picked up this old Reading FC sign that used to be up at oh. Elm Park that we have at the events from, from Fanny's. Um, That's the one on the corner by uh, Southampton Street, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. I think, I can't remember the name of the street, but it's over... No, Fanny's Antiques is the one by Thames Water on, isn't it? That's the one on, down there, yes. Yeah, what's the name of the street? I can't remember now. <laughs> Vaston Road. That's it, That's Vaston it. Road. <laughs> yeah, so I love going in there. I think other things like 58 Barbershops are really cool, independent hairdressers. Um, and then obviously the food and drink scene and the independent side has really come on the Lindhurst is a fantastic pub the Nags Head is a brilliant pub as well as people like Shed and Milk and um, I Love Paella so I think the independent scene is just getting better and better and it's it's a really exciting place to be at the moment so where where would you go on a uh, on a on a friday night if you're going out for a meal where would be your your number one destination i think it's the lindhurst okay. to be honest i think it's funny you say that actually because edible reading yeah. actually did a world cup of reading restaurants i did see this yeah last week and lindhurst came out top so oh, wow i think they're fantastic they're so creative with their food it's a lovely space and it's all about that soul and warmth mm. that you can feel when you go in there that the big brands maybe lack a little bit so I think they're fantastic I think I Love Paella are brilliant yeah. um, so I think we've got a really good selection and just the independent scene is just getting better and better um, Glenn thanks very much pleasure thank you cheers Hi this is Glenn Dinning from Blue Collar you're listening to The Real Reading Podcast Blending from Blue Collar Street Food. Uh, really interesting chap. He's got a lot, lot going on. He's, he's big into his events, and there's, there's definitely a few to look out for. There's a cheese festival I can't coming wait up. Wait for the meat festival. The meat festival in the Abbey ruins. It's definitely going to be very, very Game of Thrones. I think. Sat in the I'm Abbey. Hoping there's just... like a, a, a hog roast at least. Yeah, you know, no, like a suckling pig. Yeah. You want something very medieval on, on a bone? Like, yeah, just like uh, Fred Flintstone. Yes, just, yeah, just, yeah, absolutely. I was thinking Henry yeah. VIII. Yeah, imagine him with just like a yes. a massive turkey leg. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, thanks very much to Glenn for coming in and talking to us. Uh, if you want to get involved in the show, you can follow and write to us on Twitter at Real Reading Pod. Uh, you can look us up on Facebook by searching Real Reading Podcast. We're on Instagram. Uh, and if you're able to, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, which would be brilliant. Um, now it's time for the completely not fixed random question. So, um, we've got four questions. Yeah, what did we decide on? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, so, so just, just for anybody who's tuning in for the first time, last, last week we did fix it because we wanted to talk about the snow. This week, however, uh, it's completely random. There are four questions I've got lined up. So, uh, Jenny, I'm going to ask you to choose a number from one to four. Three. Three, okay. What was the best show you've ever seen at the Hexagon? Oh, I came up with this one. Yeah, you I did. I don't know how to answer 
I've seen quite a lot of shows at the Hexagon um, because I've, I was involved in a lot of Amdram when I was a kid and my family was involved in a lot of Amdram. So um, most of the shows that I've seen at the Hexagon are Sainsbury Singers or Reading Operatic. Um, what's the best one? The one I've most enjoyed? Oliver. Everyone likes a bit of Oliver, don't they? I'm trying desperately to think of a show I've seen that my dad hasn't been in because I feel like I've mentioned him enough this episode. Did he play Oliver? Was he he played Bill Roger? Sykes. He's, a, he's always been Bill Sykes and he's okay. been in a lot of GNS as well. Um, oh my goodness, this is awful. What have I seen at the Hexagon that my dad hasn't been in? I don't think I can think of anything. Can we choose another question? <laughs> <laughs> so, so for our first week of uh, random question, this is going really, really well. Hugh, have you got anything to add to this subject? Well, I have, I'm going to have to save the day, aren't I? Because I, I do not frequent the hexagon as much as Jenny has in the past, but I have seen, I think maybe four or five shows okay. there. Um, the ones I can remember are Darren Brown, yeah, which was, which was very impressive. Um, his his mind tricks were very impressive. Except my my slightly cynical mind was that he picked he, he apparently picked someone at random and guessed that they worked in in the IT industry, which in Reading is quite <laughs> quite a reasonable quite a reasonable bet. So, but he's he's very he's very uh, intense and very clever, and um, he did some other very spectacular things in that show. But my favourite one, I think, and this is a um, a hero of mine. Sorry, it's huge phone ringing. That's awkward. Yeah, sorry, that's a bit embarrassing. It never normally rings. Um, <laughs> uh, Danny Baker. Oh, okay. Of Own Goals and Gaffs video fame. For people of yes. my, my BBC uh, Radio 2. Yes, he is very, very entertaining. He's not a, not a, um, a joke-telling comedian as such, but he's had this really interesting life. And he does, he does shows where he solely talks about football and particularly Millwall and his life and his dad, his terrifying dad, <laughs> who sounds like the sort of bloke um, if you got on the, the right side of he can enhance your life enormously if you got on his wrong side you'd live in fear the entire time. Um, but he, he was there at the Hexagon and he uh, he did a very good show uh, talking about his, his life growing up in South London and what he did um, working on TFI Friday and things like that and uh, some of the hilarious exchanges he'd had with very famous people and he was one of the only people ever to make friends with Spike Milligan apparently he was uh, particularly spiky um, yeah, very good uh, uh-huh. yeah, particularly difficult in- interviewee apparently but he they, they hit it off and uh, yeah so that, that's mine Danny, Danny Baker the other one I went to see was Dave Gorman oh, okay. um, who did oh, who the highlight was his you know his found poems he does yes. them on um, yeah on his uh, show on Dave which I forgot the name Modern of Life is Modern Life is good is good-ish yes anyway he uh, reads out the comments from the yeah. uh, from the internet news sections which you know strikes a chord with me <laughs> um, I've just me- remembered a couple of things I have seen at the okay. again that my dad hasn't been in so she was um, already saved the day but so you can put the yeah, icing on the cake so, so I, I recent, most recently uh, went to go and see the Illegal Eagles right. at, uh, at the Hexagon which Honestly, I wasn't expecting to enjoy it and kind of got dragged there against my will. Was this when, so when you, did you go with your mum? I went with my in-laws. Right. Um, and yeah, it was it was absolutely, it was so good. <laughs> Are they a band? They're the, the tribute of the Eagles. Oh, oh I've, the I've, Eagles. I've heard yeah. the Eagles, yeah. yes, Hotel California. They're yes. very much your era. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all I know is that the, uh, the, the DJs put on the Hotel California if they need to go to the toilet <laughs> or bat out of hell uh, or I, I can't hell, imagine yeah. being in a club where a DJ puts on Hotel California a ra- radio DJ oh radio I yeah. see um, and I also saw uh, Milton Jones at the Hexagon he was very funny is he the he's the one liner he yes. wears like yeah. Hawaiian print yeah. shirts and has got long hair Perfect. yeah he was good um Okay, well, thankfully, the random question feature has been saved and it will be back uh, in a few weeks. We'll explain why very shortly. Um, events, Jenny, what's coming up this weekend? Um, so we've got an event that was postponed because of the snow last week. So um, this weekend, um, we have got the, the Holly Festival. It was due to take place at Palmer Park last weekend, like I said, but it was postponed due to the snow. Um, and it's now been moved to Rivermead Leisure Complex in Richfield Avenue. It's happening on Saturday, March the 10th. And if you don't know very much about Holly Festival, it is a religious festival 
Um, and it kind of includes lots of dancing, lots of music, but the, the most recognisable thing that the people might might know it for is the the bright coloured paint that gets thrown uh, around. Wow. Yes. Um, so it's a, it's a Hindu festival and it's celebrated in recognition of the Hindu god Vishnu who uh, overcame evil um, and good won and um, it's it's just a, a real good fun community event. You don't have to be Hindu to, to attend. Everybody from Reading is welcome. Everyone from outside of Reading is welcome. Um, I don't know if there's a charge to attend. Uh, it, there is a charge to attend. It's five pound for adults and three pound for children, um, and it the the tickets include a free colour pack, so you can uh, throw throw Sorry a bunch stuff. of paint around. Great. Um, so that would be a nice kind of family event to do on Saturday if you haven't got anything planned. And of course, don't forget that it's Mother's Day on Sunday. So if you guys haven't sorted out anything for your lovely oh, mothers, how you then, doubt us? Um, how you doubt us? Book a table, send her to afternoon tea, buy her some flowers, at least a card. I'm going to make guys. a lunch. I'm going to make my mother a lunch. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. I'm actually going away this week. I'm weekend, breaking the tradition. So I'm also going away. So convenient. <laughs> Not with Jenny. I hasten to Oh dear. Yeah, no, it's quite important that, that we clear that up. It's not together. <laughs> Will you stop? Turn your phone off. It's so popular today. <laughs> it's the same person. It's the same person who's waiting to pick me up. I imagine getting increasingly cross. Well, it's okay because once you listen to the podcast, you'll know this is all gold. Um, okay, thanks for those, Jenny. Uh, so, just to round off very quickly, uh, next week is our half marathon special so um, all of our features go out the window uh, so it'll be very little of us and lots of people talking about the half marathon um, and then the following week uh, <laughs> we'll haven't planned that far ahead yet but we'll have someone else on and then I'm away for two weeks but we've got something special planned for while I'm away uh, so that will be good fun and all will we'll be revealed yes, um, it's a two hour podcast on how we, how much we hate Tom yeah, it's, just, <laughs> it's just basically Hugh talking through council agendas in yes. fact he's got a really thick council agenda and he's just going to open it up yeah. and read through it v- verbatim <laughs> of, from the Reading, Reading Traffic Management Subcommittee agenda which is uh, one I very much like for <laughs> educating anyone else I'm sure you will all enjoy any that. insomniacs out there tune in <laughs> <laughs> um, okay so uh, if you know anyone who will who you think would be great to interview on the podcast please do let us know uh, the only prerequisite is they must live or work in the town and most importantly they must love Reading um, that's all for this week we will speak to you very briefly next week uh, bye. bye hi this is Glenn Dinning from Blue Collar you're listening to the Real Reading Podcast bye.